0: A well-regulated militia be necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm glad you're with me on the program today. Hopefully you had a great Easter weekend. Back at it on a Monday, I I will say, had a good weekend, enjoyed my uh, time off last week as well, the uh, couple of days that I took, but I am glad to be with you behind the microphone once again, and we are talking once again about constitutional carry, although this time around, not Florida. No, 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 there's another state emerging as a uh, solid potential to add to the ranks of the now 26 permitless carry states across the country. We'll get to that in just a second. But you know, in today's turbulent times, you need to gather tools that allow you to defend your family and the way of life that you know and love. My friends over at Pickett's Mill Armory are the folks that can help you with that. Pickett's Mill Armory is a veteran-owned and operated rifle company in Georgia, and they're committed to providing you rifles with premium quality without the premium price tag. Their mission is to build you a rifle that gives you every advantage possible with 100% American made components. Whether you need a tactical rifle or a hunting rifle, they've got your back. And you don't have to settle for just as good anymore because they've solved that problem for you. You no longer have to buy a rifle and then buy parts to swap out. When you purchase your rifles from pmarmory.com, they come out of the box with high quality barrels, superior triggers, and other options that you can choose. When you think of Pickus Mill Armory, think of small batch coffee. They're not going to compromise their standards to turn out thousands of rifles every month like many other companies. Head over to pmarmory.com to find the tools you need to defend your family right now. That's pmarmory.com. All right, so let's talk about what's going on with constitutional carry. Florida becomes the 26th constitutional carry state when Governor Ron DeSantis signs House Bill 543 into law last week. Uh, But the permanent carry train is rolling. It's not stopping in Tallahassee. It is continuing. We have in Nebraska LB 77, which is on third reading, final reading, right? So it's already passed two votes. We're just waiting for the uh, bill to be brought up a third and final time. Don't know when that's going to be, but the Nebraska legislature is in session until June. So I think we're in pretty good shape, despite the fact that Democrats are trying to slow walk things as much as possible in Omaha. Then there's South Carolina. Where last month, the state house passed constitutional carry-by vote. I think it was 90 to 30. I mean, it was broad support. What's weird is in South Carolina, despite the fact that Republicans have a supermajority in the Senate as well, this bill has not really moved once it cleared out of the House. Um, Still sitting in a Senate committee. And I'm not sure why that is. I mean, I have heard from folks in South Carolina that, uh, well, you know, the Senate's kind of a weird place. They like to move slowly on things. Okay, but when you'd be the 27th constitutional carry state, I would argue you've already moved fairly slowly, right? Um, There's plenty of other states to look at. Not one of them, by the way, has uh, repealed constitutional carry, right? This has moved in one direction across the country. States have enacted and embraced the right to carry without going backwards. So again, I don't know what's going on in South Carolina. Uh, other than maybe too many rhinos in the state senate, but I am a little iffy about the prospects of constitutional carry passing in South Carolina this year. I hope I'm wrong. I'm much more bullish, on the other hand, uh, about what's going on in Louisiana, where lawmakers returned to Baton Rouge today to kick off an eight-week session. And once again, constitutional carry is on the books. Now, you might remember a couple of years ago, the uh, House and Senate did vote to approve the constitutional carry bill, it was vetoed by Governor John Bell Edwards. And despite the fact that there was a veto-proof majority, that veto was sustained because you had a couple of Democrats uh, who suddenly had other places to be during that veto override session. A couple of them changed their vote. A couple of Republicans changed their vote, including uh, at least one who's no longer in the legislature because uh, he's now got a cushy state job. Yeah. This time around... The bill sponsor says things uh, appear to be different. Um, one of the big differences is that technically, Republicans no longer have to rely on any Democrats to help override a, a veto by Governor John Bell Edwards. Last month, um, the longest serving state legislature, state legislator, was uh, Representative Francis Thompson, after 50 years of elected service with the Democrats, switched his party affiliation, and is now caucusing with Republicans. That gave the GOP the first supermajority in both chambers of the legislature in the state's history. Uh, with Thompson now caucusing with the GOP, Republicans have 70 votes in the House. That is enough to override Governor John Bell Edwards' veto without the need for any Democratic cooperation. And the GOP already has a supermajority in the state Senate. Uh, now, the 81-year-old Thompson... Um, has often joined Republicans on uh, uh, votes before. And he's, again, no guarantee uh, that he's going to be on board with constitutional carry. But uh, I, I think the odds have greatly improved with um, Thompson coming on board. And it sounds like the bill sponsor believes this as well. Representative Danny McCormick has uh, uh, authored constitutional carry for, I think this is the fourth session? And uh, he sounds, again, pretty bullish about uh, what's going on this year. Uh, He says, the question is, why don't we trust law-abiding citizens with their Second Amendment rights? So this bill, as uh, the Baton Rouge advocate uh, notes, cleared the House last year, but did not get a vote in the Senate, uh, probably because the Uvalde, Texas school shooting sucked a lot of oxygen out of the room when it came to uh, gun bills. Now, they know that this year's bill is going to be debated in the wake of the most recent school shooting in Nashville, where three children and three adults were killed last month. I would note that constitutional or permitless carry doesn't have anything to do with these acts of wanton violence, and it is absurd to claim that there is any sort of connection. What we're talking about with permitless or constitutional carry is simply the ability to carry a firearm without the need for a government permission slip. Doesn't change who can carry. Most of the laws don't change where you can carry. Those places that are designated as sensitive places are still going to be off limits after permitless or constitutional carry passes, unless, of course, lawmakers decide that uh, they want to expand those places uh, where individuals can uh, carry a firearm. But when we're talking about individuals with such malice in their heart that they would target a school, does anybody really believe that they would change their mind or their actions because they weren't allowed to lawfully carry a firearm? Does anybody believe that these types of malicious and heinous acts would be enabled <laughs> because somebody is not prohibited by law from possessing a firearm, and so therefore, they're going to use that gun to go into a school and slaughter schoolchildren? It's absurd to conflate these two things. And yet, that's what gun control activists are doing all around the country right now because they really don't have a better argument. As I said, the fact of the matter is we now have 26 states that have approved permitless or constitutional carry. Florida's has not yet gone into effect, so we'll leave that aside for a second. Half the country has embraced constitutional carry, and not one of them has seen fit to repeal that law. Not one. And in, in, again, more than two dozen opportunities for lawmakers to say, you know what? Listen, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge 2A guy. But in retrospect, this was a mistake. You know, we, maybe we could do something to lower the, the, the carry fees. But man, we got to have this permit system in place. Hasn't happened once. And yet we still hear the argument, no matter what state we're talking about, anytime a state Moves to adopt permalist or constitutional carry, it's going to be the Wild West, right? Uh, Gavin Newsom uh, talking about Florida's permalist carry bills. Well, you know, violent criminals are going to be able to carry a gun without a background check. Violent criminals are carrying guns without background checks in California right now. California has universal background checks and a 10-day waiting period and plenty of violent criminals who don't give a damn what the law says. So I... Got to tell you, I, I, my guess is that violent criminals in Florida don't really care about permanent scary carry any more than they care about any of the gun control laws in California. What they care about are consequences for their actions. They care about getting caught. They care about getting convicted. They care about going to prison, right? That's what they care about. And, uh, you know, when it comes right down to it, The same Democrats who are trying to ban their way to safety often want violent criminals to escape with little to no consequence whatsoever. We're seeing this in Washington State right now, where uh, Democrats, the same Democrats who passed a ban on so-called assault weapons, are also poised to pass legislation that would reduce the punishment for those convicted of weapons-related offenses. Yeah, how about that? When you focus on the law-abiding in an attempt to reduce violent crime, you're going to fail. When you focus on the law abiding in an attempt to criminalize their constitutional rights, well, depending on the political makeup of your state, you may succeed at least in the short term, but I still think that the courts are going to uh, ultimately strike down a lot of these unconstitutional laws. Of course, it's always better when we can be uh, playing an offense and not defense, and that is the case in Louisiana. Uh, constitutional carry would be a major improvement to the states' carry laws. It would not be a boon to violent criminals, but it would be a blessing for those Louisianans, particularly those who live on a fixed income, uh, those who don't have a lot of cash to spare, to be able to protect themselves and their loved ones without having to uh, fork over money to the government for a permission slip to exercise their fundamental right. So we'll be paying attention to what's going on in Nebraska with LB-77. Um, I hope that South Carolina gunners are still contacting their state senators about constitutional carry there. But we will also be paying very close attention to what's going on in Louisiana. And it looks like by the end of June, we could be looking at 28, with the possibility of 29 constitutional carry states across the country. And that would be a very, very good thing. Now let's turn our attention to today's armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We will start there with a uh, story from C.W.B. Chicago. Uh, an accidental firearm discharge inside a Chicago public school classroom has resulted in probation for the child's mom. That's right. I bring this up because again, we we hear a lot of talk from gun control activists about uh, the need for you know common sense laws, right? Uh, In fact, we're looking at mandatory storage bills in Minnesota, Colorado, Michigan. Um, All of them build, again, as reasonable measures, right? They're just designed to ensure that kids don't have access to guns. But what happens in anti-gun states where these laws are violated? The honest answer is not much. As CWB Chicago reports, the mother of an eight-year-old boy who took her gun to school and accidentally fired it in a classroom last year has been sentenced to two years of probation after pleading guilty to child endangerment. Last May, officials say that uh, 29-year-old Tatiana Kelly, or Tatiana Kelly, uh, her uh, eight-year-old son took a nine-millimeter Glock from under her bed and took it to school at the Walt Disney Magnet School uh, the boy was showing it to a classmate, yeah, when uh, he discharged the firearm. A seven-year-old boy's stomach and upper lip were grazed, uh, apparently, uh, after a bullet ricocheted off of the floor. Sounds like there was, you know, pieces of the floor that came up and uh, hit the kid in the face, according to a, a Chicago Police Department report, documenting the incident. At the time, Chicago Public School CEO Pedro Martinez uh, told the Chicago Sun-Times, quote, anytime we see a gun coming into our schools... Especially when it's, it's very troubling, especially when it's in elementary school. It was in a backpack, so it wasn't that it was somebody trying to purposely use the gun in some way. No, but it was an eight-year-old who brought it to school like it was show and tell, pulled it out, and uh, apparently did not have the trigger discipline or the uh, firearms handling to know don't put your booger hook on the uh, bang switch. Um, during a bail hearing last May, Judge Michael Hogan said we are inches away, possibly centimeters away, from a very different case and a very different tragedy. He called the incident a quote supremely negligent act. Again, a lot of tough talk. Right? And yet, when it comes time for uh a blue state judge to hand down a sentence for this mom who let her eight-year-old get a hold of a gun that was left underneath her bed, what happened? Not much. Two years of probation, and that's it. Doesn't that seem a little odd to you, given, again, the animosity that anti-gun activists have towards people who uh, store their firearms in any manner that doesn't involve it being locked up or the ammunition stored separately? Again, this this is what their gun control laws look like in the real world. Not much, right? A slap on the wrist, sent on your way, even when a uh, gun was brought to school and a child narrowly missed being seriously injured or killed as a result. Yeah. And by the way, no activists are going to be protesting in Springfield, Illinois, uh, demanding that this mom go to prison. No lawmakers will be expelled from the legislature in Springfield because they used a bullhorn to uh, call for increased punishment for this woman, it's not going to happen. The very same gun control activists who demanded that laws like this be put in the books will ignore what actually happens when somebody is accused of violating these laws and shows up in court, because that's the way the gun control activists roll. Meanwhile, those of us who want maybe a different approach you say, hey, you know what, maybe there's not a one-size-fits-all policy that's going to work for every gun owner and allow them to uh, be able to protect themselves and their family. We all do share this concern about wanting to make sure that the kids are protected, that gun owners are safe and responsible with their firearms. Hey, you know what, rather than trying this punitive approach, which doesn't seem to be working anyway because you guys aren't offering much punishment, how about an educational campaign? How about encouraging responsible gun ownership rather than trying to make gun ownership itself taboo? Think that would fly? Probably not in Springfield. No. Not these days. Not with the Democratic supermajority in place. Would be a much better approach, however, if we do actually want to uh, improve safety and we want to make sure that uh, gun owners are responsible with their firearms. Rather than trying to criminalize their right to keep and bear arms, let's try to empower them with the tools that they need to keep themselves and their loved ones safe. All right. Today's uh, armed citizen story also from CWB Chicago. Got to thank the uh, folks at the website there for working uh, overtime over the weekend. Now, this is a preliminary story. We don't have an official uh, ruling from the Chicago police yet, but it sounds like based on the circumstances, this is likely to be uh, seen as a justifiable shooting. A business owner who shot a burglar uh, trying to break into his tobacco shop in Lincoln Square over the weekend. Uh, According to CWB Chicago. Police officers responded to calls of a person shot in the 4700 block of North Tallman around 1145 Sunday evening. When they got there, they found an 18-year-old with gunshot wounds to his legs. He initially told officers that somebody had shot him uh, in a drive-by. Basically, a black car was speeding by, uh, fired shots, hit him in the legs. But then officers got another 911 call about a burglary attempt not far away. Police determined that a 40-year-old man inside this tobacco shop. Saw a guy coming in, trying to come in anyway, through the back door, and shot. Turns out, according to police, the guy trying to break in was the same 18-year-old who uh, was shot in the legs, allegedly by a drive-by. Officers say the uh, 18-year-old stopped talking after officers were able to make the connection. Uh, the 18-year-old taken to local hospital in fair condition with gunshot wounds to both legs. He is in police custody as detectives investigate the shooting. Uh, Again, no word right now on whether or not the uh, store owner will face any charges based on the preliminary uh, uh, evidence. Certainly sounds like he was acting in self defense. We'll keep our eyes on the store and bring in more details as they become available. Finally, today, our good deed of the day in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing, a homeless woman in Maine who came to the aid of a three year old after his bike was stolen. And she actually dipped into what little money she had to get him a brand new bike. I know. It's a pretty unbelievable story, uh, I gotta say. I, I, I love this. Um, KKTV reporting on this uh, three-year-old from Rockland, Maine. The uh, parents of uh, three-year-old Phil Will Fuller-Bright uh, bought him a Spider-Man themed bike, which was his very first bike, but on March 26th, which was the first day That Will got to go on a bike ride. It was stolen. While he and his mom, Liz, were in a local Walgreens. Uh, She said, we stopped and we put his bike on the sidewalk. And then we decided to get him a little candy bar as a treat. Like, woohoo, you made it half a mile. We came out. and The bike wasn't there. Security footage showing uh, somebody saw the bike and simply snatched it. Uh, Liz Fuller Wright says it was a mix of emotions. You know, I mean, sad, disappointed, angry at the state of humanity. He's three years old. This is his first bike, and you don't want to think anybody would do that. Yeah, there are, unfortunately, some people out there who absolutely would do that. Rockland police posted a surveillance photo of the uh, suspect on Facebook to try to find the bike. Um, But instead, a uh, woman who wants to remain anonymous saw the story and decided to act. She said, quote, what this little boy was thinking when he came out of that store with his mom and saw his bike missing, I cried. She said, I worried about what that little boy would be growing up and thinking about the world. So this woman who is currently living out of her car went to Walmart, bought an identical bike, along with a helmet and a bike lock, and then dropped it off at the Rockland Police Station. Rockland Police shared this story on their Facebook page and, as you can imagine, got an overwhelming reaction. Uh, Liz Fuller-Wright says she's talked to the woman on the phone. She said she told me her story, and I couldn't believe it. She said she's not someone that's flushed with cash, but she gave so much, so generously to a little boy she never met, never known, because she wanted him to be happy. She didn't want him to think that there were bad guys in the world. She wanted him to have faith in humanity. You know, listen, there are bad guys in the world, and there's no denying it. I, I, I don't think this three-year-old should grow up believing that everybody's great. But I am glad that he also now realizes that despite the jerks out there, there are plenty of good people in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. In fact, there are so many good people in this world that the woman who came to the aid of young Will is now the beneficiary of of their kindness as well group called the Midcoast Recovery Coalition started a fundraiser to help thank the woman for her good deed. As of uh, Saturday, they say that more than $5,000 has been donated to the, quote, bike lady. Um, this is pretty amazing. They're trying to uh, raise enough money to pay off the car that she is currently living in. Uh, they apparently talked to her and got a little bit of more information saying that uh, because she lost a job, she had to make the difficult choice of giving up either her apartment or the car. Because her daughter in law had co signed for the car, she again thought of someone else beside herself and gave up her apartment, keeping credit intact for the uh, car loan uh, and her daughter in law. She ended up driving two hours uh, in that vehicle to go buy the bike for this three year old. And so the. Uh, uh, Midcoast recovery organization again raising enough money, trying to raise enough money to uh, pay off this woman's car so she can get back uh in permanent housing and again, as of April the eighth over five thousand dollars has been donated I hope the uh I hope the community continues to respond. It sounds like they have, and I'm glad that uh this woman, who wanted to teach a three year old a lesson about the kindness of strangers, is also getting that lesson herself. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms Cam & Company. Thank you for being a part of the program. As always, I am really looking forward to being back behind the microphone with you again tomorrow. In the meantime, don't forget to check out bearingarms.com. We're keeping you up to date on all of the Second Amendment news and information out there. And it is another busy week when it comes to your right to keep and bear arms. If you like what you see, I'd always encourage you as well to become a VIP member at bearingarms.com. Just go to bearingarmscom slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS. And you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. As I was saying, thanks for showing your support. We're going to give you exclusive content like news stories and analysis because your support does matter and it really does make a difference. So thank you again. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. I mean, as much as you can enjoy a Monday anyway. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.